the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to people groups, God definitely makes a distinction in his word. When it comes to his judgment, though, all those distinctions go right out the window. We'll explore that truth next here on Abounding Grace. Make it a point to join us. From Reformed Heritage Church here in San Jose, welcome. This is Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner, who today takes us back to the book of Romans, chapter 2, verses 11 through 16, Jews and Gentiles judged. The Apostle Paul makes it clear that every one of us are guilty before God. When it comes to our sin, there are no distinctions and class of people groups. God judges each and every one of us according to our sin, and each and every one of us, no matter Jew or Gentile, have that sin in us. With more, here's Pastor Gary to explore Romans chapter 2, verses 11 through 16. We may have a strong passage like this on judgment. We surely don't go immediately, raw, 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 let's hear some more about judgment. Of course, we need to hear about judgment, a lot more than we do. Because ever since Adam and Eve turned away from God, we have become professional hiders. We have become professional excuse makers. We have become professional mask wearers in the worst way. Now, not, all, not everyone wears the same type of mask, Some people hide behind their busy lives. I'm just too busy. I'll get to it later. And then, of course, later never comes. Other people in cultures hide behind technology. Oh, we're sophisticated, and we've moved past thinking about God's judgment. We are scientific, and we don't fall into those medieval superstitions any longer. Of course... Even within the church, we don't hear a whole lot about judgment and sin today, even though that's one of the primary works of the Holy Spirit in the world. Jesus said in John 16, when the Spirit comes, He will convict and reprove the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. In the church, we don't take seriously the Lordship of Christ. We forget that how we work and how we talk and how we relate to our spouse or to our parents, this is just as much a religious expression of what is in our hearts as what we do on a Sunday afternoon. And when you add to all of this the fact that as a culture burns out, God judges it and then gives itself to more brazen and perverse evil. And then we can't blush anymore or feel ashamed any longer. And judgment then feels even more real. But of course the ability to blush over sin. 
The ability to be shocked by evil is a sign of a healthy conscience and of a healthy culture that reflects God's own righteous judgment. And in some respects, sees beyond man's judgment and looks at what God thinks of sin. And what God thinks about sin is very simple. He says, I will judge it. I will punish it. I will send unrepentant sinners to hell forever. Now in verses 12 through 16, we basically have a commentary on verse 11 which is there is no respect of persons with God. You know, I look back on my life and I was as blind as a bat. I think all of us have a little bit of this in us. I think I had a heavy dose of it, which is somehow God is going to be different or set a different standard for me. That because of what I know and, you know, we're all really smart people, right? So we can do this and we can do that. Whatever it may be, God has a different standard for me. After all, I went to seminary and I had Dr. Rush Dooney as a mentor. and I've read Calvin and Knox and Sproul and Bettner. You see, we can come up with all kinds of things and think it's going to be different for me. Well, let me tell you something. When we stand before the holy God, there will be no difference for me or for you. He's not going to look at the masks that we've been wearing. He's not going to look at what we pretend. He's not going to look at our religious traditions. He's not going to look even at our supposed ignorance. He's going to say, you knew you should have given your life to me. If we had, we would have had blessedness in Christ forever. But if we did not, it would be judgment in hell forever. Verse 12 anticipates perhaps a Jewish and a Gentile objection. And the Lord does judge according to the life that we possess. It says, for as many as have sinned without law shall perish without law. This is referring to the Gentiles, that old pagan world that did not have the written law of God. They still sinned. If you doubt it, read the prophets. The fact that the Moabites, the Persians, did not have the Ten Commandments did not make them any less liable to the judgment of God. And Paul explains why in verses 14 and 15. But for the moment, he just makes this declaration. We can summarize and say that we all know God's will in Adam. God himself is in the heart of every man. So even what little we do have is sufficient to condemn us forever and we will perish. Now, of course, the Lord Jesus taught in Luke 12 that those who knew their masters will and didn't do it would be beaten with many stripes. And those who didn't know his will and didn't do it would be beaten with fewer stripes. But all unrepentant sinners get beaten. But there are degrees of horror and terror in hell. Now notice what he says about the Jews. Those who have sinned in the law, they possessed it. 
They were in covenant with God, and he says they will be judged by that law. So with more light, we might say, not say, comes more accountability to God. But more responsibility comes with what we have heard and with what God has been pleased to give us. Now, verse 13 cuts straight to the Jewish objection here. They say, yeah, but we have the law. We've heard it. And we have God's covenants. Notice what Paul says in kind of a parenthesis to this. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. It's almost as if a Jew himself, Paul says, Hey, Mr. Jew, you may have sat in the temple on the high feast of the year and, and heard the word of God read to you, but it won't do you any good, so don't boast in it. Don't say we get special treatment because we possess God's word. No, if we are going to go that route and make pride and personal exceptionalism your motto for life, you need to remember something. It's not the hearers of the law that are just before God, but the doers of the law. Now, Paul's not saying here that the law of God was held out in a way whereby through our obedience we could merit or achieve or earn righteousness before God. Remember, he's talking to the Jews, and he says, you are law boasters. You are word boasters. Oh, we have the covenant. The Gentiles are just idiots and are blind. We might say today, if we're going to make performance, what and how we do obey, the standard of our righteousness with God, well, the standard is this then, perfect professional, perpetual obedience. And no one can give it because we are all condemned sinners. So we must, of course, look elsewhere. And that is to the Lamb of God who was crucified for us and who obeyed God's law perfectly, the only one to do so in our place. Now, still speaking to Jews, but also with some reference to the Gentiles in verses 14 and 15, they might have the objection of ignorance. Well, I didn't hear God's word. I didn't stand on Mount Sinai. I didn't hear Jeremiah the prophet. So do you mean God's not going to respect my ignorance? Well, just like he's not going to respect Jewish privilege, he's not going to respect your Gentile ignorance because you're really not. All right, notice what he says here. When the Gentiles, which have not the law, in other words, they didn't possess it, God was not pleased to give them his special revelation. But still by nature, by their constitution as created by God, sometimes they do the things contained in the law. Do you know that virtually all old pagan cultures condemned dishonor to parents and murder and theft and adultery? This isn't because there's some natural law that men can read from the stars. This is because our nature is created by God. And even if we don't have the law as a written copy, as the Gentiles then did not, they were a law, it says, unto themselves. Now, that doesn't mean they could live as they pleased. It means that there is some kind of a barometer, an inner thermometer, 
Some kind of guide that these Gentiles had and showed they weren't as ignorant as they claimed they were because God created them in his own image. In fact, verse 15, which showed the work of the law written in their hearts. Now, this is not a redemptive writing like we have as Christians who have God's law written indelibly on our hearts. But this is proof that men are made in the image of God, that they know they were created by him, that they know they owe their lives to him, and that they will be judged by their sins. Paul says every Gentile has this to one degree or another. And their conscience is also bearing witness. So it's not just an outward revelation that we see in chapter 1. It's an inner revelation. God has made the conscience a collection of his own holiness in every man. So when men do evil, they experience unrest. When they do good, they have some sense of peace. When they do evil, there is some sense of condemnation. When they do good, even though it may be prideful, because God's image is in us, although it is frightfully shattered, as Calvin said, nonetheless, there is some sense of moral uprightness. Paul asks, where does that come from? It comes from the conscience that God has created us with so that our thoughts and our actions bear witness and either accuse us or excuse us. So Paul's main point, main point in these verses is to simply cut off all pretenses because no one gets a free pass. Everyone, the Jews especially, because they had the written law of God and the fuller revelation of God's will, but also the Gentiles who did not have the revelation except in a few individual cases like Job and city of Nineveh for a short period of time. But by and large, the Gentiles were in darkness. And yet God said, there's no escape because I am the environment of your life. And you can try to willfully sin in silence and sear your conscience. But it will do you no good because I take my own revelation seriously. I take my special revelation in the written word seriously. I take my general revelation in nature and in your own conscience seriously. And I will not allow my goodness and my glory and my grace to be trampled on by ungrateful men. So in verse 16, Paul hauls us right to the day of the judgment. Jew and Gentile, especially the Jew who crucified the Lord of glory. He's going to say, as we will look at next week in verses 17 through 28, that the Jews were worse than the Gentiles. They were worse. Why? Because they had God's word. And all the while they thought of themselves as morally superior. Oh, we know God's will. But not only did they commit the same sins and crimes as the Gentiles did, but they were joined with hypocrisy and pride. So the Lord brings us all here before God's judgment throne. 
And he says, there is coming a day when God will judge the secrets of men, all the masks, all the pretenses, the religious traditions we hide behind. On the one hand, the ignorance. On the other, our busyness, our self-deception, the lies we tell to ourselves so that we can feel more comfortable telling them to others. All of these secrets God is going to expose by that one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. In John 5, the Lord says, The Father has committed all judgment into the hands of His Son. Why? As a reward for His obedience and His suffering and His death. Remember, He was made very low for our sins. He bore our curse. He sunk under our grief. He sunk under our sorrows. And the Father held out to him the promise that as our mediator, as a reward for his obedience, he would be exalted and extolled and brought very high, even the highest of the kings of the earth. And one day all men are going to stand before the Lamb of God. Oh, can you imagine what a bitter meeting that will be for Pilate? Can you imagine what a bitter meeting that will be for all the kings of Judah? who apostatized from the line of the Messiah and for all the millions of Jews who were slaughtered between the resurrection of Jesus and 70 AD at the destruction of Israel because they rejected the Messiah. All the secrets of men, all the shames and the scams of men will be exposed. Now, we might think to ourselves, how is that possible? Because we know men get away with things all the time. We even trick ourselves and we trick each other. We've probably all been tricked at one time or another. We can't see through a lot of things. We try to play the Holy Spirit, but we forget that effort is actually blasphemous because God is the only one who can search hearts. No man can search the heart. You can't even search your children's hearts. Paul said, I'm even careful in judging myself because I can't see myself clearly as I really am. I leave this judgment to God. And there is coming a day when all of those secrets will be exposed by Jesus Christ, the very lamb that was crucified. All men will see him in his glory and stand before him and either hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Or depart from me, you cursed of my father, for I never knew you. Now, Paul has this very interesting line here. He says, according to my gospel. Now, is that a prideful statement, according to my gospel? Now, we might take it like that. But here in Paul, there is no pride. Because he realizes that his gospel was Jesus' gospel, That his voice was the voice of Jesus because that is who the apostles were. Jesus' mouthpiece. But notice something else here. That this message of judgment is part of the gospel. And we need to take a few minutes to talk about this today. Judgment is part of the gospel. Although you certainly wouldn't think that today. Today the gospel is rock and roll for Jesus feel good about Jesus, have more financial success, have a better marriage. All of these things that many of us do to promote and to attract 
and yet we have forgotten something. Turn to John 16 with me for just a minute. Our Lord said this very specifically about the work of the Holy Spirit in the world, which is not to make men giddy, dancing in the aisles and speaking in tongues, but to encourage them to flee from the wrath of God to come, which is not something we do once or twice, but all our lives, beloved. John chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient or necessary, beneficial for you, that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world, the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see him no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Men are not going to be led to flee from wrath to come unless they hear of judgment and God's hatred against sin and learn to take it seriously. That goes for us. Are you cold and lifeless today? Well, let me tell you, there's only one reason for anyone in this room to be cold and lifeless, and that is because we are not running to Christ and drawing from a life from Him, an abundant life, a fullness of life. Now, why don't we do that? Why don't we seek Him more? Why don't we pray more? Why don't we pour out our hearts before Him? Not in the sense of, well, I'm doing my devotional duty, so don't mess with my spiritual pursuits. But hopefully, we're doing it out of a sense of great need. I must have Christ. I must have His righteousness. I must have His life in me, even as a committed, professing believer. Because if I don't, I'm empty. I'm cold. I'm lifeless. I'm powerless against sin and Satan. Why don't we run to him more like that? Because we do not feel how horrible our sin is. Because we do not tremble before the judgment of God against sin. Look around you, brothers and sisters. The things we are seeing going on in the culture, the unbelievable blindness, the waste of incredible amounts of money, building and supporting ridiculous things, studying ridiculous things, the perversity in society that is licensed. Where do these things come from? Well, they come because the Lamb of God is striking this nation with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips. And he is slaying the wicked, driving them to madness. And by his spirit, driving them off the cliffs of sins and sanity. That's what your great God is doing today. And when his judgment is in the world, what are we supposed to learn as God's people? Because the world can't learn this. Because it is blind until God gives men sight. So what are we supposed to learn as Christians? To tremble before the Lamb of God. To tremble before him, not to sit here and say, oh, I'll try that later. Or let me give a little whirl at family devotions. I'll try it for a day or two. If it doesn't go well, we can just stop. 
I'll try to be nice to my spouse for a day, maybe two. No. If we see judgment, if we see shadows of what the final day will be like when God drives his enemy to the madness of hell forever, when we see pictures of that in the world, are we supposed to be running to Christ for righteousness and protection? Of course we are. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. That by two immutable things, in which what it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, but sure and steadfast, and which entereth within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. You see, the gospel speaks of judgment. Because we are so blind in our sins, even as believers, we learn to live with our sins. The cancer of sin becomes the environment of our lives, of our relationships, of our attitudes, of our words. And we just come to accept it. You know, this is just the way it is. But do we ever stop for a moment to ask, what does God think about this? Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.